Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, where we believe that marketing strategy should be delivered in plain English. This is Lorraine Ball. And this is Jared Jewett. And this week we're going to talk about construction. Physical construction or business construction? Well, as much as I love working with construction companies on their web design, this week we're actually going to talk about the basics of business construction. Okay, so figuring out sort of what we like to call the groundwork of your business, uh, where to start before leaping too far ahead. Absolutely, and specifically the groundwork for your internet marketing plan, because this is an area where I think a lot of businesses approach it by sort of throwing stuff out there and hoping that the pieces will all come together. Oh, especially in the age of social media, you see it all the time. People say, well, we've got stuff. We need to be on Facebook. That's the only plan we need. And when it comes to internet marketing, that's just not the case. No. So you really, to some extent, you've got to start with the basics. And they're the same basics that I was talking to customers about 20 years ago. You've got to start with a plan. And the first piece of that plan is defining who your customer is. So you mean really taking the time to write down what the ideal customer looks like, what the person who comes into your business and is really, really going to be interested in your products and services, what they both physically and ideologically look like. And if you've got a B2B business, you still have an ideal customer. You have certain types of companies that you want to work with. And you need to think about the difference between an acceptable client and an ideal client. Absolutely, because there will probably come times where things slow down and you have to figure out, you know, at at what level, what is your lowest level of tolerance? Absolutely, There there are clients that if they come in waving dollar bills, I'm going to work with them, but I'm not gonna use any of my marketing resources to find those kind of companies. I'm going to save my precious marketing dollars and my marketing time to focus on the people I really want to work with. Right, and those people really do become kind of the cornerstone of this entire plan. Absolutely, because we're going to come back to them again and again. The next thing that you need to think about as you're thinking about your marketing plan is how much are you willing to spend? Right. How what does 2015 look like for you financially, fiscally? Like, can you justify so much marketing spend? And if you do, really, what are you looking to get out of it? And really knowing that from day one, so you, A, don't run out, right? And B, don't under budget, honestly. Yeah, and so you put the pieces together. You you have this big overriding number. And part of that is driven when you understand the lifetime value of your customer. How much is a customer worth? For us, we know what the average customer spends. We know what they spend every year. We know how many years they stay with us. So I can make a good decision about how much I'm willing to spend to acquire another customer. And as you start pulling in some of this marketing data that comes later, you can really go back to this very foundational element and figure out, well, okay, I know my marketing works on X percent of people that I talk to. I know the value of those customers you know, are going to pay out to that percentage. 
how much can I budget in 2015? How much more can I budget in 2016? Absolutely. And now you know how much you're willing to spend. You know who you're trying to talk to. The last piece of the plan is really looking at when do you want to spend that money? Do you spend it all in the first quarter? Do you dole it out every month? Do you kind of let the first quarter roll and go top-heavy at the back part of the year? Different businesses are going to have a different calendar and a different rhythm. And I think, I think we're personally getting a lot better at looking a lot further ahead and planning these activities out to really hit when business hits. Uh, your business might be incredibly seasonal, right? Um, some of the companies we work with are food service companies who, you know, the kind of foods that you cook with them, you might only be cooking hearty meals with that kind of food in the winter. So they need to know, they need to have that plan, uh, you know, January 1 to know that in December is really when all that, that budget we talked about needs to be spent. The last piece of this is looking out beyond your own company and looking at your competitors. Because some of what you do and especially on the internet. Some of what you do is kind of in isolation, looking very inward, but some of it has to be a response to what your competitors are doing, particularly when you're trying to get search position for your website. No question about that. If you see other people doing things, again, on a seasonal basis, and they're doing it really well and effectively, you should probably plan to be part of that conversation. Now, there are times that, you cut, that your competitors are idiots. And so you shouldn't just blindly follow what they're doing, but look at your competitors and pick the best strategies and copy those. All right, so let's switch over. The first part of your groundwork is your plan. The second piece of your groundwork is a good website. And all a great website takes is a little bit of refreshing and updating. I, at the very base level, you have to make it look attractive if you want people to really engage with your business. And you pretty much have to do that every two years. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, folks. I know you spent a lot of money on that jazzy new website in 2004. It's time to move on. Right. I, eight years is, is just is way, way, way too long. Um, it, when we're talking about looking at your competitors, again, that's a great way to figure out maybe what people in your industry specifically are doing to appeal to the kind of customers, that idea of the ideal customer, what that customer is looking for in the modern age of the web. You know, the truth is that the technology... Um, the hardware, the software is accelerating. Uh, the, the change of pace is accelerating to such a dramatic rate that things that you couldn't even imagine doing on your website three years ago are now standard operating procedure. You know, these big, beautiful images that now dominate home pages five years ago would have crashed the server that you were trying to host your website on. And the technology is not slowing down. I mean, there really is this idea of velocity behind all these changes that are being made. So it would really behoove you to uh, just kind of stay up on what the heck's going out, uh, what the heck's going on in the web. And so as you're laying out your plan for 2015, you need to be looking at updating this year and also looking ahead to what are you going to do in, in 16? What are you going to do in 17? And building money into your budget now for those ongoing updates. 
The other thing that you need to do, and this is kind of day one groundwork, is your sort of favorite topic. You got to have the tracking to measure results. Absolutely. The the ba most basic thing you can do is install something like Google Analytics on your website. And it, Lorraine, you're totally right. That has to be pretty much the first thing you do. So the second your website goes live, you are tracking the people that come to it, the way they interact with the different sections of their site. What they, It'll show you what they like. It'll show you what they don't like. And you can actually adjust your plan kind of with as that data rolls in. And instead of just setting it January 1 and forgetting it, Google Analytics lets you make the changes as they need to be made to really appeal to your customers. And you can tell very simple things and very complex things. Everything from what part of your marketing is working, because you can see where the traffic comes from, to what part of your website is working when you see what people do when they get to your website. What pages do they look at? How long do they stay? Do they fill out a contact form or a download form, or do they simply go on their way? All right, so you've got... You got your plan, you got your website, that shell is working really well, now you got to fill it out with content. And fresh content, and refreshed content, and then some new content on top of that. <laughs> That's really, really what it takes if you want to be found on the internet. If you really want to make your internet marketing strategy hum, you've got to be pumping out stuff that people want to read and is really helpful to your customers. And so, you need to be thinking about the kind of information that answers questions that potential customers will have. The frequently asked, how much does the product cost? How do I install it? How do I use it? Can I serve ham with those beans? Can I add this product and this product together to get this product? Do I really need that feature? And the other thing is that all of that writing, all of that information should contain those half a dozen keywords that your customers are likely to use when they're looking for you. Right. I mean, take the time. Sit down. Figure out the five to seven things that you would search. If you were in your customer's shoes and you were sitting down on Google to find whatever has to do with your business products or service offerings, what would you type? What would you put into the search bar? And what's really cool about Google is if you type in those first couple of words, it'll give you about 15 more suggestions around the words that, that you're searching. And that takes 30 seconds, that takes 45 seconds, and it is really invaluable. It is amazing. As we started doing that kind of work, we're in some very competitive categories. Obviously, web design Indianapolis Every company that wants to be visible for that phrase probably knows all the same tricks that I do. And so we fight and we scrape to get to page two or to page three. And when we pay attention to the keywords, and we don't just focus on just web design, but we use phrases like website design, new design trends for websites, creating content for your website, how to use, and we start using those words in different ways, suddenly we see an increase in our overall traffic. We're still fighting to get on page one, but we're getting lots more traffic. And the, um, the extras, beyond your blog and your keywords, once you have the basics, now you can start doing some roundup posts, 
some worksheets, some checklists, some ebooks that give people a reason to trade their information for their email address. And more rich media, right? There's nothing wrong with having a 40-second video that you shoot on your iPhone that talks about your services and why they're great. Or, heck, someone else talking about your services and why they're great. Because all of this information that is built into your website is exactly the same information that you can now start sharing to the wider community. And that's... That's a part of your groundwork, too, is having a strategy for which social media platforms do you want to play on and which ones you don't. Figuring out where, all going all the way back to that idea of the ideal customer, hopefully you have some idea where those kind of people hang out on the web, where they are having conversations. Are they a Facebook crowd? Is it a place where maybe your business is very, uh, very visual or very maybe even community-oriented where Facebook makes a lot of sense? Right, And if you have that visual brand, maybe they're also interested in something like Instagram or Pinterest, and they're there. Or if you offer some sort of maybe legal service, and you can really kind of get something like a tweet out really quick, maybe Twitter's the place for you. Um, but it's really going into your plan building, understanding where you can focus your time in social media. And it is not taking your content and pushing it out to any and all platforms in exactly the same way. There are places that are going to be worth your effort and some that are not. And also, if you're sharing the same information on three and four platforms, people are going to wonder why they're following you if you're not doing anything different in each community. Right. If, if it's not special for them and the community that they're interested in engaging with, um, then yeah, then what, why the heck would they uh, engage with your brand? And so... You've done all of this information, uh, all of this work to lay the groundwork. You've got your plan, you've got your website, you've got a definition of your customer. You've created great content and you've shared it on social media. And somebody puts their hand up and says, I'm interested. I want to talk to you. Now what? You sure as heck better understand where they came through in that process. If you've done your planning correctly, if you've done your tracking correctly, you should have a pretty good idea how you got them to interact with you in the first place. Now you really need to document that entire process step by step. Well, and I think that's all great so you can do planning for next year, but as far as that customer and that lead... They've put their hand up and they've said they're interested. You better have a process to take them to the next step. Because leads are wonderful, sales are better. Right, sales are what directly affect the bottom line. So yeah, you, you have to have a, a way to know that you're actually going to move them uh, to that point of purchase. Um, and it takes coming up with the process. And so the documenting that I, I think businesses need to go, and this is where I thought you were kind of going with that, is this idea of documenting... What happens when you hang up the phone? Not so much where did they come from, but for example, when I, when I quote a website, well, there's a couple of things. I already have standard language that I use over and over again in our proposals, so it doesn't take me very long to respond to an inquiry. But then when someone signs up and says, yeah, I, I, I think I want to get a quote from you, they're also going to get an email campaign, a series of follow-up emails that tell them a little bit more about what it's going to be like to work with me, what they need to know, how they can get ready for web design. I also have reminders built in um, in my task system that tells me, hey, 
you sent a quote on this day. Have you called them? Have you sent them a follow-up email? So people don't fall through the cracks. That process to, to nurture your leads and turn them into sales is really important. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, again, that integral part of the groundwork that you lay right at the beginning. I, I, I think you said it. I mean, you cannot do all these other things and then get to the point where you've got a lead in and you haven't done this work. Because you'll have no idea what to do with them. You'll have no idea really how to get them through the process. And you'll spend so much time trying to convert that lead. All of a sudden, all these other leads will start stacking up. Um, if you don't have a way to really streamline that process, then you're, you're kind of screwed. Well, and for us, you know, I've been doing this a, a long time. And for a lot of our customers, email is a wonderful intermediate step. Um, it's never going to take the place of a conversation. But if somebody raises their hand, has an inquiry, sends, sends in an inquiry to your website. Getting a rapid response in an email with a link to more information relevant to what they identified kind of keeps that process going. And sometimes you have customers who come along who aren't quite ready to buy. We see this a lot with retail shopping carts as well as businesses like ours. And I think email does a great job in those cases. Oh, absolutely. It, it's a way to kind of initiate that next step. And then as someone is taking the time to kind of figure out what they want, you can continue to reach out to them and really it, be unobtrusive if, if you space it out correctly and you've really got a message that says, okay, maybe we understand why you're having a difficulty moving moving forward. Uh, you know, we suggest reading these resources that we've created and really nurturing that relationship, again, through something that's as unobtrusive as a regular scheduled email. The idea that information is a powerful selling tool when you're not trying to sell. People are very receptive to educational information. Oh, you mentioned that you want to build a deck. Here's information on different types of wood. By the way, did you know about these weather-resistant nails? Yes, I hope you're going to hire me to build that deck, and some people will. Some people will just take the information and do it themselves, and some people will save all that crap and call me three years from now. Right, because you're, you're really killing two birds with one stone because you're, you're showing them, look, we've got these educational resources to help you, but in the back of their minds, they know that you were the people who created those resources. You were knowledgeable and experienced enough to teach them how to do this. Well, heck, maybe you can just do it for me. That's part of, the, that's part of what your marketing is supposed to do for you. Now you're ready. Now you've got all the pieces, you've got everything in place, and you're ready for the year to begin. If you're sitting there and you've been listening to this conversation and you think, well, do I have all the pieces in place or not? You might want to go ahead and take the marketing quiz that's embedded in the bottom of this blog post. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.